subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Oh, man. How about it, Chuck? How about them hogs? Well, it was nice to win, man. That was a fun weekend. I was thinking as uh, I was about to come on, it's been eight Mondays since we have gotten together on the heels of a Razorback football victory. That's a long time. It is. That is a long time, and it was, uh, you know, it was nice to win the game. And there's plenty of things to get into. We've got asked already about the play at the tail end of regulation. A lot of people talking about K.J. Jefferson as well. Um, Tommy just was asking for one thing, one thing only this morning is the running game. I mean, you had over 200 yards in this game, Chuck. No Rashad DeBinion uh, with attending his grandmother's funeral. Rocket goes over 100 yards. Rocket outdid his season total on Saturday. Rushed for more yards in the Florida game than he had all season long to that point. Yeah, I was told last week, and I didn't know if it was going to happen or not, but I was told they'd had a very good week uh, up front, that they practiced very well up front, and that perhaps it was the best week they've had since the season began in terms of you know what they were doing in practice with their offensive line. So I think we saw a lot of that on Saturday. When you rush for 226, you know, that's, a, that's a good, solid day right there that's a good solid day and they put nearly 500 yards of total offense on the board and scored a lot of points left some points out there quite honestly yep. but um hey they won the game and you know when you go on the road in the league and win and it's not like florida's chopped liver i mean they beat tennessee on that same field so you know that's a good win and now you just have to carry it over and Hope you can win again Saturday against Auburn. I don't know if you guys caught the tail end of that game after the Broden celebration. This game meant a lot to Josh Braun. You were talking about up front. I guarantee you, based on some things I heard in the post game, that uh, he was probably one of the main reasons they had a good week up front. Did y'all catch Josh doing this? Yeah. Doing the Gator chomp after the game, after Broden's catch? I, I, I was so happy for a lot of players, Rocket, KJ, Coach Guyton. But I was really happy for Josh Braun on Saturday, too, beating his former team. Well, I was happy for all of them. Happy for the coaches and the players and the fans and everybody. I mean, again, it's been a long time since they've won a game. And to have the opportunity to celebrate together and uh, just, you know, I can tell you the feeling after the ball game, uh, just coming back, the whole deal. I mean, it was um, it was fun. Yeah. And, you know, as Coach Pittman said after the game for them, I mean, now, that is why you do it. Those yeah. are the days you remember. Well, you had Coach Pittman on with you right after the game and very emotional conversation with Coach. Oh, man, they got the damn jukebox cranked up. The kids are so excited. They were excited for Coach Guyton, and, you know, I think that's the most yards we've had all year and against a really good defense. And you know, K.J. played the show. Oh, man, 
just everybody played really well and played very complimentary. And, you know, we got in trouble a little bit on special teams early. And then, heck, our special teams end up putting it into overtime. So just a wonderful, wonderful team win. You know, I was, uh, I'm always interested the day after the game to read what's been written at the other site. You know, at the other school, uh, about their teams, about, you know, the opposition's feeling about how the ball game went. I was reading yesterday, uh, Mike Bianchi's a writer for the Orlando Sentinel, and I, I think it'd be fair to say he's one of the more respected writers in the South, um, certainly writes for a big paper. And he was talking about the game, writing about the game, and he, you know, he, he said as he looked out on the field, I mean, the reality is, is that. You know, Arkansas was the better team. You know, they had more talent. And he pointed out that, you know, this is a team that lost LSU by three, lost uh, Alabama by three, lost Ole Miss by seven. Uh, now, again, we get caught up sometimes in how bad things are going. You know, when you lose, it gets frustrating. But I thought it was interesting, and I still think it's interesting when I talk to people around the league, they don't view Arkansas as a bad team. You know, they view Arkansas as a team that's been just good enough to break your heart, which is basically what's happened a lot this year. They've been a lot better than they've been in terms of, you know, when you look at things generally over the past, you know, few years, but they've come up short. They've been just good enough to break your heart. Saturday, they were able to win that game. But, you know, this is not a bad team. It's never been a bad team. Nope. It's just been a team that's come up short. Way too many times for people's liking this year. But, um, hey, they were able to win that game on Saturday. And, and um, again, as we talked about after the game, when you win a game like that, things seem possible again. You know, you look at the, re- at, at, at the remainder of the season and it doesn't seem like a death march, maybe the way it did a week or ten days ago. Yeah, I've never thought this was a bad team i thought it was an inept offense at times but you had an above average defense a special teams that's played well for the most part all year you just had an offense that you know couldn't get you there and that 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 seven to three game against mississippi state spotted spotlighted exactly what i'm saying more so than any other game this year but finally you got the offense to rolling along with a, a good defensive performance and that's exactly what you needed i've never thought this was a horrible football team because the defense and the special teams were too good to, de- to declare them that well I, I mean let's let's you know let's let's give some people some credit i, I mean and uh, i know that the season as a whole has not gone the way people wanted it to go but um you know they made a hard call sam Pittman made a hard call a couple of weeks ago and um you know for fans it's easy to say fire somebody when you're the one that has the relationship and has to do it, that's a whole different deal. Mm-hmm. And he made a tough call. And the players responded to the new coordinator. And they went down there, and I think we could see right off the bat, I mean right off the bat, that the whole attitude was different on the offensive side of the football. Well, we've gotten some texts this morning, and I agree with them. There's also a quiet frustration, even after a loss, saying, well, what if we had had this offense at any point during this six? Well, you can always state? say that. You can always say that. People are going to say that. I understand it. But 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 you can't go back and change it. Yeah, you think about, again, eight of your 12 games have been played prior to this one. I mean, you basically wasted two-thirds of your season. 
well, essentially with what has happened. And again, the close losses, if if there had been even some semblance of what we saw on, on Saturday offensively, they're not three and six this morning, guys. They're probably, guys, let's enjoy the win. Let's yeah. enjoy the win. If you want to break down the previous eight weeks, have at it. Have at it. I'm going to enjoy the win. And uh, I'm not going to take away from what happened this past Saturday by belly aching about what happened the eight Saturdays before. I'm saying I'm going to enjoy this win. Well, I can still enjoy the win. I think I did on Saturday. You've seen the video. I've, I mean, I nearly toppled into the stands. But at the same time, we have to look at what's happened during the course of the season and say, hey, if they had figured this out, we're not sitting here thinking about a prospect of a bowl game. They might be bowl eligible. At this point in time, which I think and is... you can say that, and, 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 and that's a fair point of view. I'm just saying I'm not going there. I'm going yeah. to enjoy what happened on Saturday. Yeah. So, you mentioned the opening drive, and just almost immediately the attitude and the offense looked so much different. Rollouts, play actions, pass to the tight end. Um, you know they'd worked on that script throughout the week to get the those initial plays exactly the way they wanted them, but... Uh, you know, Chuck, that was a beautiful offensive drive to start the game. Well, and it was, it, it was, you know, you could see the passion. You could see the fire. Um, you don't have to necessarily score every time to be playing with fire. Fortunately for them, and, and we often see this in games. I, I mean, you know, you'll have that first drive, and it'll be well scripted, and you'll move the ball, and lots of times you'll score. And, you know, what you start doing after that is really – what's going to determine the outcome of the game because everybody's going to make adjustments. And they did have a lull. You know, they had a lull. But they they played well offensively in the first quarter and they played really well in the fourth quarter. And that was enough to win the game. And made the plays when it mattered. But what did you see, Chase? Was it the Florida defense? Or I thought maybe when Arkansas got pinned back after that punt that hit the ground and rolled to the six or whatever it was that – they just kind of went a little more conservative, making sure nothing happened bad near Maybe the goal so. line and kind of got stuck in that rut. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, you know, but they, uh, um, by the same token, you are on the road. And, you know, we saw Florida do some of the same things with Mertz. You get down there in the, you know, at your own end of the field. And, um, you know, you can, if you make a mistake, I mean, you're you're suddenly behind the eight ball, and the other team's probably going to score. And the one thing that I will say is that, um, you know, I thought Arkansas's defense, if I'm not mistaken, all four or three of the four of uh, Florida's scoring drives, all of them touchdown drives, I think started in plus territory. Um, so they were winning the battle of field position there for a while, and that had a lot to do with the play calling, I'm sure. Uh, Ricky Persall had a couple nice punt returns that set them up in mm-hmm. different uh, – he was averaging like 26 yards a punt return. And uh, they had some speedsters, man. I mean, between him and ETN, we always talk about Florida, how they always have dudes. I mean, those guys can just fly, those two in particular. Not that their other wide receivers were net by any stretch, but those were the guys that stood out that I was scared every time they got the football. I thought Arkansas's DBs played really well. I mean, you're right. Florida's got speed. They're an edge kind of team. I mean, when they throw the ball, it's short to the edge. When they run it, it's to the edge. And, man, I thought Arkansas's defensive backs played a whale of a game. I mean, they were, uh, you know, from McLaughlin to Braxton, and there were others too. I mean, Mm -hmm. there were guys that I just, yeah, Florida's fast, but I thought Arkansas was right there with them. And that's where your pursuit angles and and taking the right – a, you know, attack approach and angle is perfect. I thought they, they didn't miss very often when 
when they went to, to play the ball. You had Dwight, it's good defense. Dwight yeah. McLaughlin a couple times blew up screen plays where he just beat either an offensive tackle or a wide receiver who's trying to block him, blew it up in the backfield. He had a pass breakup near the end zone that I thought he was going to pick off. And you mentioned Braxton. I mean, that's a true freshman. we got to keep saying, I know that this is his ninth game to play. That's still a true freshman in his first ever game in the Swamp. Just makes the play that sets him up 14-0 before Florida can even blink in that situation. Well, that was a great play. I mean, it was a great play. Strip, and, you know, ball never touches the ground. And um, it was uh, it was a big play. They were, uh, I'll give the secondary credit, they were ball hawks during the course of that game. And I thought that that ball came out before the whistle. And I guess it was either the third or fourth quarter. I went back and listened to it. The ball was out before the whistle. But I guess you can't review forward progress. Forward progress I mean, is not reviewable. Okay. And, and that's what I assumed was the case. But, I mean, those, they were. Again, tri- that was not a good call. Yeah. They were trying to strip the ball several times and had a couple. But, again, Florida on the other side was also doing a good job forcing yeah. turnovers as well. Hey, do you have a loan with a variable to balloon interest rate and you're worried about the rising cost of interest? Interest rates uh, are rising and probably will go up even more if you talk to, to those that follow the economy and those that work in the banking industry. Farm Credit can lock in a long-term fixed rate for the life of your loan. Farm Credit's long-term fixed rates offer peace of mind in these changing economic times. In fact, they offer the longest terms in the ag industry. Talk to a Farm Credit office near you today. Find one at myaglender.com. That's myaglender.com. Farm Credit is an equal housing lender. Let's take some calls on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. We will get to some texts as well. First goes to Melvin, who is in Sheridan this morning. Melvin, welcome in. Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep from laughing. Chuck's talking about we're supposed to enjoy this. They're paying the man two million and win right now. He gonna get another raise, Chuck? Go with Deep Florida. Is that is that what we got to do? Is open up? Oh, I'm pay. not saying anything like yeah, that. I'm just saying mean. enjoy the win, man. I mean, just that that's all I'm saying. It's just enjoy the enjoy. victory. When y'all told us how great they was, I never said they were great. They, never yeah, said they were well, great. Well, let's give Sam some more money. Even after I've he never said, said he said that either. He's nothing. making plenty of money. Don't put words in my mouth. Well, just sound like you just had to have one win. He should have won a few more along the way, okay. and then we wouldn't be All having right. this conversation. I, 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 you know, I wish they'd won more too. Melvin, have you had your coffee yet? Sound like you, uh, a little grumpy. Basically, it's always the fans' fault. And we're always belly aching. The man said he coached the team for nothing. And then he had to go back and fire that agent so he get one and cipher off some more money. And ever since he got raises, what has his performance been like? Well, Mel- did, did somebody tell me what his performance been like since he got that $3 million a year bump? It hadn't been good. But I'll say this. I don't know if there's anyone listening right now that would turn down a raise if it was presented to them. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, I'm just being honest. Yeah. I think uh, uh, so. Everybody in whatever job they have gets paid market value, generally speaking. And he's still one of the lower paid coaches in the SEC. But to Melvin's point, Melvin, I agree. I mean, I, I told you this team was going to be eight and four, at three and six. I'm not happy. I was pissed off for seven straight weeks or eight straight Mondays, whatever it was. What Chuck was saying earlier. So I understand where you're coming from. This team should be better than three and six right now. And one game showed you that. You I mean, you had any sort of offense in these that six-game losing streak. So I'm like extremely happy on one end, but I'm also mad on the other end in the fact that they had, if they had any sort of offense in that six-game losing streak, we would not be three and six right now. I'd love to ask Melvin this question. 
If they were only paying Sam Pittman a million dollars a year, would it be okay to be three and six? I mean, would that would that make it okay? Hey, I can live with three and six because they're only spending a million dollars. Of course not. The amount of money they're paying him is honestly it, it it does not have anything to do with with the with the record. I mean, I understand the idea. The more you pay, the more you should expect. But if you paid less, would it be okay to? At what level, guys should? You know, Sam Pittman B, a million, two million, and three and six is okay? That That's just hey, backwards we've thinking. Run, we've run off coaches who were making a lot less. Oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> I don't even think uh, Ken Hatfield was making uh, – Ken Hatfield wasn't even making a half a million dollars a year when he left Arkansas. All right, let's take, let's take some more calls. Uh, I think this one will be positive. Eddie in Clarksville <laughs> is on line one. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning, gentlemen. You know, I'd like to start off – you know, I'm a big cowboy fan. Yeah. And you know how true it's a game of inches. There were two plays yesterday. That's the best quarterback play I've ever seen Dak play. And we come up just inches short. You know, against a, a, a team that may go to the Super Bowl and win another Super Bowl. At Philly. You know, so, but now I'm positive note there. But let's get to my beloved Razorback team. I consider the worst game. I ever seen him play. I mean, I was really down. And for Eddie for Clarksville to get down on the Hawks, I mean, I thought the season we wouldn't win another game. But now, over the years, I've, count, I've traveled countless miles. Uh, I don't step outside my house. Anybody that knows me in Clarksville, I put, I work something Razorback. I had nothing to blow the whistle about. But suddenly, in the swamp, where we never won, I thought it was a great win. I thought it was a defining moment when, you know, there's a saying, just what the doctor ordered. You know, I don't know what took place in the locker room in the bye week. I mean, but I'll tell you this. You know, I called in last Friday. I even called in on a post game. There's a saying, sometimes you got to dig deep to find oil. And suddenly, when I woke up Sunday morning, oh, the Hawks. Found all. And what that symbolizes is, is simply this. Sometimes you got to dig deep. And what was the payoff? We never wanted a swamp. We got a little brick of what I call, we put a little bit of brick of respectability back in our program. And so I see it as this. You know, I see the stat the other day. You know, here's Texas A&M. Listen to this. They joined the lead in 2012. Their team, I made them pretty close. 80% of their makeup of their team is five stars. And you know what? Since I joined the league, and it shows how tough it is to win in the SEC, they've had four or more losses, 10 of 12 years. And here we are. I see a script being written. At the final moment, win. And what it would it mean for our program? The way. Everything against them. I mean, they dug deep. They stuck all. And I believe the team is believing. And I believe we're going to win this game Saturday to get the four wins. And what would it mean to our program if we could win out? I mean, it would be huge. And so, at the final moment win, congratulations. When there's criticism, there's praise. Congratulations to Coach Pittman. Congratulations to Coach Gatton. And more importantly, congratulations to the whole team because he made no mistake about it. It was a team win. 
Eddie, thanks for the call. Uh, as someone that was in the Arkansas section walked down to the sidelines at the course of the game, I don't know if I necessarily saw tears streaming down a lot of players' faces, but the emotions were about as raw as I've ever seen. I saw a smile on K.J. Jefferson I hadn't seen in two months. Rocket had his son in one of the most touching moments I've seen. That was his son's first game, apparently, and he's holding this kid by the cheerleaders. It was just a really cool moment. And then for like Andrew Armstrong get, didn't get to play the tail end of that game. I saw him. Josh Braun, we talked about him a little bit earlier. It was just a very cool scene this weekend in Gainesville, Florida. It's hard to win, and when you win, it's fun. And it was fun on Saturday. And look, I want to go back to what Melvin said a minute ago. I do understand very well that there are so many what-ifs when you look at this season. Some of them are bad breaks. Some of them people are just like, what what if they'd done this sooner? Um, I get all that, and I understand all that, and believe me, um, I don't think anybody out there is underpaid. (laughs) I can assure you of that. Um, I thought Arkansas would have a better record than they had right now. Uh, I didn't think they were going to contend, but I thought they'd have a better record than what they have at this point. But you can't change any of that. Unfortunately, you can't go back and replay those games. Had you made a move earlier? Well, maybe so. I don't know. But um, all you can do now is move on. Thanksgiving dinner will be memorable this year at the historic Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in Hot Springs. Thursday, November 23rd from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Venetian Dining Room, you'll have a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required. Must have credit card to hold reservations. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Chuck, before we get back into some meat and potatoes uh, about this game, I, I want to ask you, winning on the road like that, snapping that losing streak in a place like Florida, having that experience in the in a visiting locker room, getting on that plane together, Going back to Fayetteville, do you think there's a little more value sometimes? I know Sam talked about wanting to play well in front of the home fans, but I got to believe 
going behind enemy lines, to borrow our phrase, and getting that victory could do maybe a little bit more for you in this final stretch just because it seems like you you had to climb a little narrower path to win this last week. You think there's more value in that moving forward? Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, there's there's no question that the last two weeks were important. And, you know, again, I know people are going to have their opinions on what happened in the weeks prior to that. But I do know this. Um, you know, the last few coaches that we've had uh, wouldn't have been able to keep the team together over that two-week stretch the way this staff did. And, and, and that does start with a head coach. And, look, you can you can go back and lament. And I get all that. But – I thought the thing that they did, and it was the most important thing that they did, was right off the bat after that Mississippi State game, change came immediately. And the circling of the wagons, if you want to use that term, started immediately. And it began early the next morning. And it continued every single day. I mean, there there was no outside world, period. I mean, I don't mean just angry fans. I mean, outside world, period. And that's what they did for two weeks. And I give them credit for that because you think back to the guys that have preceded, the people that have preceded this staff, and ask yourself, six-game losing skid, two weeks without a game. They going to be able to hold this thing together? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so I give them credit for that. Again, you can go back and talk all you want about the previous games, and I understand that. But that's one of the reasons that I thought Saturday's game, and to answer your question, Tommy, may end up being more valuable, is not just the fact that you won on the road, but how you did it, how you prepared, what went into winning that game. If you can replicate that, if you can replicate that a few more times, you know, you can be on a run to end this thing. Describe the plane ride home. What what was it right? Like, you know, after having... You know, such a long stretch on the road and, and not getting the result you wanted. What what was that two-hour flight home like? Well, you, you know, it's it's a heck of a lot more fun than when you lose. I can promise <laughs> you that. You know, the one thing that I will say, there there's, there's always some jubilation at the beginning. But you see on that plane, this is the one thing that I will say about it. You see on that plane the physical toll that it takes on those players. You see them limping on the plane. I mean, you do. And you see him, you know, 30 minutes into the flight, asleep from just exhaustion. Um, So there is a physical toll that's taken on those kids. And so that's why I say the early part, everybody's happy. I think a lot of people, this was one of those flights where, you know, the seat in front of you had the television screen and the satellite so you could watch Georgia and Missouri play, which I think most of us did and most of the players did until they fell asleep. And that was a game Missouri went toe-to-toe with the Bulldogs for a good chunk of it. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Georgia won with some good defense, got a pick late in that football game. But I was impressed with oh, they're the, real what deal. the Tigers. Yeah. I mean, that is not going to be an easy game. Tommy spoke to this earlier in the show. Everyone knows listening right now, Arkansas-Missouri is not really a rivalry. Let's just be honest. It's not really a rivalry. You border states, but it is not ramped up. If that game, at the end of the season... With Arkansas on the prospect of being bowl eligible, Missouri trying to get to a potential New Year's Six Bowl, right. mm-hmm. that's how you boost games and boost rivalries is games of consequence. That game has never really been anything this late in the season. This year could be different. This year could actually be one of these years where like, 
This feels like a rivalry game.、Yeah. And it could be a game where people in Fayetteville who were not planning on going to the game for any reason, and they're there with family and friends or Northwest Arkansas, you're like, you know what, I'm here. I'm going to go to the game because it's going to be a good game. You know, very well, that game, guys, could come down to if Arkansas beat Missouri, LSU could maybe rob their spot in the bowl pecking order、uh, because they do have the head to head, and that loss there could be、um, very consequential. So, I mean, Be a lot on the line. You could spoil Missouri's party while getting your invite to a party. Well, if you have to look for something to get fired up about when you're playing a team that's going to probably be ranked in the top 15, I mean, whether you consider that trophy legit or whether you consider the rivalry legit or whether you consider Missouri beneath you, I mean, whatever. I mean, you got a top 15 team coming into your place for the final game of the year. So, I mean, You ought to be fired up about that. And I know,、uh, I know, and I 100% agree with you on that. I know Florida wasn't a team that you look at from a national perspective and it's like, oh my gosh, the Gators are awesome. They had a win earlier this season at home against Tennessee. But you could tell from Sam Pittman post game, you could tell from the players post game how much it meant being the first team. Winning the swap. And Chris Poupal talked about it after the game. Here's what he said about that. Talked about this all week, and we knew coming into this game, like、uh, any team that traveled down here at the University of Arkansas is number one in the swamp. And so we took pride in that and we,、uh, in our preparation this week. And coming down here, we executed the plan. That's an example of a coach keeping his team. Now, in the grand scheme of things, does it make this the best season ever because they won, for Gain- won in Gainesville for the first time? Well, no. But that's an example. Of a coach finding things to hang his hat on during the week, finding things to motivate his football team. That's part of the process of keeping your team. And again, I'll go back to what I said earlier.、Um, that to me was the key to the whole thing. And I think also, on the, and we've gotten plenty of texts on this on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. So we preached all week change. You're going to see a rejuvenated offense. Coach Kenny Guyton's going to bring that in because that was, again, part of the、It、expectation.、Happened. But you actually saw it. It came to fruition. And I thought that was something that, again, we thought might be the case. We're not 100% on, but we saw it in front of our eyes display and play out on Saturday. Well, and now you've got to maintain it. I mean, we talked last week about how lots of times when things like this happen, I mean, there's, there's added emotion and you play with a little more passion and ultimately there's a spike. And, and, and we saw that last week. But now you've got to find a way to maintain that because. You know, Auburn's going to be game planning for Arkansas just as hard as Arkansas is for them. And Auburn's having a, having a decent season by what the expectations were coming into the year for them. So、um, this is going to be a tough game. It's going to be another close game. I, I would be very surprised if it's, if it's not another very close game. And, and I heard, I think it was Paul also that's touching on like flushing this win and, and moving on to Auburn, like you're talking, out, talking about the emotional aspect of finally again breaking that. Losing streak. I, I'm curious how this team responds on Saturday because of, again, the, the emotional roller coaster that they've been on for the last basically two months. It's, you can't let this, that win be the best part of your season, right? You've got to somehow, some way, parlay that into the next three weeks and do something with it.、Yeah. Well, as Coach Pittman said, you need to play well at home. You, know, you need to win that game at home. It's not been the best season, as you described, Ty, on your home turf. And so you want to you, you know, you have a ball game where you've got three straight now. I mean, you've got three straight ball games. You better play well at home. 
because uh, you need every one of them. Yeah, and Auburn's sitting at five and four. They're trying to punch their bowl ticket. Arkansas this week, New Mexico State, then the Iron Bowl. Um, you know, you can put yourself well, in a, in a good spot at the bottom if you can get there. Now, Arkansas, I mean, we're getting cart in front of horse. Arkansas's got to win them all, but uh, Auburn's got that in their mind. Like like we're talking about, Arkansas's got that narrow uphill path. Got to win them all. You know, Auburn's trying to get that done this week, and that's that's got to be a motivator for them. Well, they've got New Mexico State in their back pocket, and uh, they're going to become bowl eligible. Uh, they're going to get to six wins, and, and they've got that in their back pocket, regardless of what happens here and regardless of what happens at Alabama. But that's one of those outside-looking-in things. Um, they're, I promise you, they're just thinking about beating Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you obviously want to improve your bowl stock, but I think their 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 focus this week will be beating Arkansas, and Arkansas better be strictly on beating Auburn, because again, I, I why would you expect anything other than a one yeah. possession game? Yeah, and I'll just you know, not that we need to be reminded, but Arkansas is one and five in league play, and you're still at the bottom of the division. Yeah, you can climb out of that with a win over Auburn, and, and at least elevate yourself a little bit in the in the league standings. You were mentioning with Chuck, Tommy, the scene in the plane and the scene in the locker room. Let's let's go inside and listen to some audio from Coach, him celebrating with his team after the game. I want you to learn from this moment right here whenever you get in tough times in life. What you do, you can either... Because there ain't but two types of people. One that quits and one that fights. That's all there is to it. And this, seeing your face, is all the reason we coach. Of course, they, they called the Hogs after the game, yeah. as Arkansas fans did. But that's just a cool inside moment in the video as well, just being in that locker room after the game. Just more evidence, as Chuck was talking about. You know, this is a coach that hadn't lost his team. Mm-hmm. It's a team that still wants to play for their coaches, play for each other. I think playing for each other is a bigger factor than even playing for your coach. Well, maybe so. And and you certainly raise a good point there. I, I, I thought they played for Kenny Guyton. I thought the offense played for Kenny Guyton. Uh, but they did play for one another. There's no doubt about it. And Rocket returning was a big shot in the arm. But I'll go back to what I said in the 6 o'clock hour. I, I didn't know if it would turn out this way. I was told last week the offensive line had a very, very good week of practice. That um, um, there was a comfort level there that maybe had not been there before. And that there was a possibility they might come out and surprise some people. And lo and behold, they did. What's your opinion on why that was? I mean, was it just the change in who's calling the plays? What what made them more comfortable and confident? Well, I think part of it was probably the blocking schemes. I, I am not a coach, and I'm not going to get into exactly, you know, I, I, I don't know. I know just enough to be wrong. But I think, um, obviously, there was, you know, there was some change in some things that they did. It, yeah. did. it did help that Florida didn't have their best defensive player out there either, and a lot of those plays were up the middle. I mean, KJ, how many times did he just run, either make a play – uh, with his legs on a scramble, or when they did the RPO and the read option, he just took it up the gut. Uh, Limmer, Latham, and the guys did a good job of opening up that pathway directly in the middle, which we haven't seen during a good chunk of this season. They spread them out a lot, too. You know, a lot of times on those runs, I mean, you could uh, you could see from above how they, you know, they had them spread out.
It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Good chunk of this season, the Arkansas running attack has been nowhere to be found. That was not the case on Saturday. You rushed for over 200 yards, doubled your season total for the most part in terms of per-game averages. Rocket Sanders also doubled his total this season. Coach was very complimentary of your running back after the game. Here's what he said about Rocket Sanders. Obviously, he's been out for a while, but I thought he ran extremely hard and ran over some guys. He Boy, he had a close one there. I thought the guy made a shoestring tackle on him where I thought he had scored there earlier in the game going to our left. I thought he played well. He held on to the ball well and ran hard. You think about Rocket, had a bunch of family there, including his, his son that attended his first ever game and not playing for a good chunk of the season. Chuck, he was running hard. I mean, he was breaking tackles left and right and moving the pile, it seemed like, continuously during this game. Yeah, he's running with a purpose. And I thought the, the entire offense played with a purpose. And, yeah, it was nice to see him play the way he played. I mean, it was, uh, you know, again, when you run the ball, it's a group effort. But having him there and – you know, his, his recognition, his vision, his ability to, 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 to hit the hole in a hurry, um, all those things came into play. I thought A.J. had some nice runs, too. I know he had that fumble, but he had a cut or two and, uh, and turn it up feel that I was happy with. I mean, you think about K.J., Rocket, and A.J. Green, their average during the course of this game was nearly five yards to carry. I'll tell you one thing Rocket did well, too. And you saw him on the field a lot on third down in passing situations. They did a really good job of picking up pressure with their backs. The Razorbacks did. I thought Rocket did a great job there, and A.J. Green did too. Rocket was noticeable in that regard. There were several times that had Rocket missed his block, K.J. would have been dead to rights. And I'm not suggesting that those blocks, well, maybe I'm kind of suggesting that some of those blocks might have been missed in some of the previous games, and that's why K.J. ended up on his backside. He's big in that, and that's something that goes unnoticed a lot of times during the course of a football game about the running back position. But, yeah, he was big in that aspect as well. So following the win, when the betting lines came out yesterday on the Bet Saracen app, Arkansas opens as a three-point favorite against Auburn. Tommy, is that a surprise to you that they are a favorite? We had talked about it before the season. That's legitimately what I think it was is said yeah. before the season. Well, let's just be honest. Neither team's had the kind of season that you'd define as great or even maybe good based on record. Arkansas's the home team, and I think this will be another evenly matched game. Guys, we'll, why would we expect anything to be 
more than a touchdown game involving the Razorbacks. I don't really care who they're playing right now. Uh, win or lose, they seem to keep every game pretty close, and that's what we saw Saturday. They got the win, so no, a three-point line doesn't doesn't surprise me at all. I think it'll be a one-possession game. I will say this, though. Maybe I don't I don't know as much about it as some do. I wonder how often a 3-6 and six team is a field goal favorite over a 5-4 and four team. I mean, maybe it happens every well, week. I don't know. I think it's back to what you were talking about and uh, the article you were reading. Arkansas was the better team against Florida. They were the more talented. I know what the record says. But these guys, I get what the, you're saying. Maybe that's it. I mean, maybe but, that's but, it. I understand what the records are, but records don't always records aren't always equal because schedules aren't always and, equal. And Arkansas is a good football team that just hadn't had a great offense. They've had a really good defense, and I think we saw it Saturday. They were the better team than Florida, regardless of the outcome. Well, and, they've you know, they've already they, played they Alabama. Yeah. That part's good. Yeah. They've already played Alabama. Auburn still has to. Yeah. Well, rule of thumb, betting lines, usually three points is what you get at home. You just automatically get three points if it's an even. So mm-hmm. by this metric, this would be a, a pick em game. On if a it was a neutral field. side, yeah. that was the case. So, just But these record-wise, I mean, that uh, two two games is pretty legit there. Yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, and, and your points are well made. I, I'm just wondering out loud. How many three and six teams would be field goal favorites over a five and four team? I don't know. I'm just asking. I don't know. I probably should have looked this up. I, don't I mean, know. you don't have to look it up now, but I'm no, no, just no. wondering. I'm thinking about a, a, another uh, betting line tonight with Arkansas and Alcorn State. I don't know if uh, if that's out yet on no. the Bet Saracen app, but what they'd be favorite. You do have basketball back tonight, guys, and not just yeah, the Razorbacks, but yeah. SEC play where Arkansas takes them on at 7 o'clock. Chuck, you got a busy week, man. You got this tonight, Eric Musselman live tomorrow, Pittman live Wednesday. I guess your really only day off is Thursday, based on everything. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, I mean, this is this is a busy week, no doubt about it. And um, I wonder what the excitement level for Alcorn State would be had there not been a Purdue game on the exhibition slate. If they'd played a couple of D2 teams, uh, you know, you might be have a have a little bit more conversation about what's going on tonight. But uh, they're going to play two games this week. They'll play two basketball games before there's another football game. So that and that was a question that kind of came up to me. You sold all the tickets for Purdue. You only had, I think, you said over fifteen thousand on the radio broadcast. How many people do you all actually think are there tonight? With it being and that, that's a good point because again, I know that Purdue is technically the E word, but. This is where you actually season it. It's a Monday. It's not a Saturday. I mean, they get they get fifteen thousand there tonight. I think they do because it's not going to be raining. Okay. Um, you know, it is a Monday. Kids are in school. It's seven o'clock. It's not one of these eight o'clock games. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a, a good bucket full of eight o'clock games in conference play this year. So I think people are excited to go. It's the first one. So yeah, I think you got fifteen thousand there tonight. There won't be as many people as a Purdue game. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't think. But um, there'll be a good crowd. It'll See, be five digits. I think in a lot of ways it'll be a different crowd because the Purdue game, you know, was was a was a game that was available to anyone that didn't have season tickets. And I think some of the season ticket holders didn't get around to buying them, didn't go, whatever. Um, used to Saturdays doing football, they had other things scheduled. I think it'll be a different fifteen thousand tonight. Well, I think one of the things tonight's going to be, and 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 it's this way in non conference. Um, are the season ticket holders who can't go going to be able to get their tickets into the hands of people who would like to go? 
and that generally determines a lot of your preseason crowd. I, I don't I don't know that there'll be 15,000 there tonight, but I think there'll be a good crowd. Well, on that note, if you have season tickets and you're not going and you don't want to sell them, then you can give them to us and we will get them to someone in the hands that would love to go to tonight's game. If we have far-reaching across these airwaves, and I guarantee we could find someone that wants to go. Now, tonight. look, if you're looking to sell your ticket for full price tonight, that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just give them to someone I mean, with a kid. If you're hanging out to the last minute hoping you can get full price, you're, you're probably not going to get that. I'm speaking of us to more be the liaison in this case, yeah. just trying to give them away free. I don't think, uh, I don't think I'm wanna, I want to be the middleman in terms of yeah, the this selling. this would be the night to give them away. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. So coaches often have the ability to get the best out of their players. And Coach Pittman said he saw that with Kenny Guyton and how these players responded, sometimes playing out of what they normally do. Here's what he said in a long answer about Coach G. We tried to find out what we could do well, and he brought a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of belief from the kids. You know, a coach, a good coach gets his kids to play better than what they are. Not as good as they are, better than what they are. And a lot of coaches have that ability to do that and some don't. But Kenny's one of those guys that has that ability to, they respect him so they want to do well. You could feel it all week. I didn't know if we was going to win or not, but on Wednesday I felt like we were because fastball starts. I thought that the offense looked really good. I go down to the defense and Deke Adams, Andy, and the D-line and the scout team offensive line are knocking heads and getting a lot done. And I walked away and I go, I think we're going to win. I just had that feeling. And Chuck, that's kind of what you said about the offensive line in practice this week. You had heard some some good things. Well, we saw it firsthand on Saturday. Yeah, they just, uh, I, again, from the opening drive, they just played with a spring in their step, so to speak, that had been missing for a while. And, you know, obviously there was a connection between Kenny Guyton and KJ. You know, I, I think we saw in, you know, if you watched and heard some of the stuff in the locker room and outside the locker room after the game, I mean, there was a – you know, there was a genuine, I think, happiness for one another there. And so, obviously, whatever they did working together, because he didn't just coordinate the offense. He was the quarterback's coach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever they did during that two-week stretch obviously paid off. Yeah, and he also kind of expanded on that. And I felt like this was a subtle jab at Dan Enos. Here's what he said about actually running what they practiced. He ran what we practiced. It's a big deal. We didn't run a whole lot of runs today, a whole lot of different runs, but 
we got back to the old stretch play that we were good at, we were been good at, and Rocket got some yards on it today. So there's two things there that I took away from that. One, again, exactly what he said. They ran what they practiced, and not only did they run it, but they executed it. Two, I think that also, Tommy, you and I were talking about this a little bit during the break. That's also on Sam to, in the previous eight games, I mean, you're Dan's boss, right? Yeah. Reality is, and I, I know you don't want to be a micromanager, but you're the head coach. Like, things, I just almost feel like there, there should have been things that were changed prior to that. If you wanted to run what you did on Saturday, you have the directive, you're in charge, you're the man in power to be able to do that. Why did you not force your hand in the previous eight games, if that's all it was. And it was probably a combination of some other things, but that's also a little pushback on Sam's account there, in my opinion. Well, you're right. I mean, he's the head coach, and it's the job of the assistants to carry out his directives. And if he gives something specific about the offense, then it should be done. And I think you're right. There was there was more behind those words of we, we practiced what we did today or whatever it, he said exactly there. So... Yeah, I think that's that's frustrating that when you, you know, when you're the leader and you're setting the direction, and then the followers aren't doing exactly what they're supposed to do with it, uh, that are there to help you carry out the mission. Yeah, I, you make change, and that's exactly what we've seen unfold over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And again, that's maybe their best offense or performance of the season at this point. Hopefully, it, it continues and snowballs for them to have an offense that is again worthy of being an SEC caliber competition wise and I, I think about like KJ Jefferson we've seen the videos of him the pictures of him after the game he was talking about it being surreal what, Chuck what did you notice specifically about him that maybe was different in this six game losing streak oh I just thought he played with more life I, I, I mean you know if, if you're asking me to break it down I mean I'm not a coach I can't break it down I mean we we saw him play he did seem to have a little more Spirit, and I think that that enthusiasm with KJ, we saw in that embrace with Kenny Guyton after the game was just, you know, another example. I think for whatever reason, it's my opinion. Don't have insight, knowledge. Wasn't there to watch it. There just wasn't the connection for whatever reason. Uh, in my opinion, Enos and KJ just didn't quite, you know, connect the way they needed to as coach and player. And I think they found that connection with Guyton and KJ for this last game. Well, let's connect with some callers here on the McCarty Daniel Hotline, starting with, uh, is it B.A. or P.A. in Texas? I'm assuming it's P.A. who's on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. What's up, P.A.? Hey, what's going on, Ty? Uh, You forgotten who I am? I I, I thought you might know who I was. P.A.'s a legend, man. P.A.'s a legend. (laughs) The Ty's defense is Uh, is typed in wrong on the screen. A legend in my own mind. But seriously, uh, I think things... For me, Saturday changed. At the whole game, well, I didn't. I didn't feel anything palpable. But when we got into overtime, and it, even to the point when it was first and twenty, I said, "Well, here we go again. We got that holding call." But when it was first and twenty in OT, and we go back to pass, and KJ breaks loose and uh, runs up the middle, and uh, Basically runs over the, I think uh, a free safety or one of the defensive backs for Florida. Basically just runs straight over him 
and knocked him about five yards backwards. And then they grabbed him at about the 23-yard line. And then I think it's number 70, the offensive lineman, number 70, came barreling down through there and just moved the pile another three or four yards where we had a, a first down. I mean, at that point, I felt things change a little bit. And then when when Rocket was not gonna go was not gonna be denied, was not going down on the next play, and then we call timeout and and, and take a little chance throwing the ball. You could just feel the I, I felt I don't know, it's weird. I felt the energy of the offense it's like a light went on. I knew they were gonna score. I knew it. I just knew it. It wasn't like I was thinking something bad might happen. It was like the old Razorbacks from 1977, 78. You knew something good was going to happen. I mean, you just knew it. And they scored, and that's it. And I'm telling you, if we can beat Auburn, it, it, it all depends on Auburn. If we beat Auburn, we're going to we're going to blow Missouri out the last game of the year. Wow! Because they'll take all their angst and anxiety, all these this bad karma that we've had in 2023. And they have a chance to go to a bowl game. Missouri doesn't stand a chance, guys. If we get to that point, <laughs> the whole thing is what the coach frees. He wants to take his pound of flesh from Arkansas. Arkansas has been a thorn in his side, particularly when he was at Mississippi. I thought he did that. The last one year. time Mississippi had a chance to go to the SEC championship game, we took it from him. We took it from him down there. At uh, Oxford on the fourth uh, and twenty-five play, so we got to beat Auburn, and you know he's going to be gunning for the Hogs. So, PA, thank, Auburn, PA, yeah, thanks for the call, PA. Thanks, buddy. I, I thought I thought Hugh Freeze got his pound of flesh last year, Chuck. Well, I mean, uh, look, he's he's right. I mean, it's 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 going to be a. I mean, it's going to be a battle. I mean, this is this, this is going to be a close game, and. You know, Arkansas is going to have to play just as well this Saturday as they did last Saturday. But here's the thing. If you think back to last summer when we all were filled with optimism about this season, the reason we were filled with optimism was because of the play of K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. Those were the two guys we talked about all summer. This is the first game where we really saw that one-two punch. Mm -hmm. And over and over again. Now, on that play, was Rocket's hand not down? That first down that they picked up, I'm looking at that, and I was like, that's clear. As they called his hand was down, but his, his elbow hand, but wasn't down. Hand, but your hand can, is fine. You can brace but, yourself with the hand, yeah. but his elbow ball, never touched. Wasn't the ball in that No, right? no. Was was, uh, the ball hand. was in the left hand. Okay. The, the right hand's the one that uh, kept him up. Just can't have the elbow down. Any, that that's any, right. The feet, the bottom of the foot, and your hands can be on the ground. Anything else it makes you down by rule. Okay. All right. So, Just wanted to clarify that. There, remember the Michael Dyer play and whether it was the hand or the wrist and how yeah. tight that call was? Let rock Christian along. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's how tight it can be sometimes. Starling's on the line this morning on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Starling, welcome in. Hey, guys. Uh, how dare you suggest that we got a break? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Did you not watch that game, Ty? Have you, how long you, are you 12, son? Oh, listen. You know that- we don't get a break. There was, we don't get a break, we don't get a call. I'll say this. There were probably two pass interferences that Arkansas got away with on Saturday. And listen, you get screwed over by those officials all the time. But, and, I mean, there what, was one or two plays. What happened Saturday? 
He almost got screwed over by the what officials the, again. What about the fumble, Ty? But they they got a quick. Oh, I was. On. Did you not hear me? That was a horrible call. No, you gotta listen, man. I'm just saying. I'm just, no, no. I have I just tuned in when I called in because I've been I've been working. They don't pay me to listen, listen to the great <laughs> Ty Richardson and all that. I gotta I gotta get some work done a little bit. But anyway, man, I, I just thought that we. I just know the purchase rent because they try to steal that game from us. I know we. I know we called somehow even out. People that always say that, but it, hey, I'm a fan. I'm not a paid professional like y'all folks. I'm a fan, and sometimes I see it one-sided. And I've seen a quick whistle. I've seen a slow whistle. I think I couldn't understand why they were booing for pass interference when they shouldn't even have the ball in the first place. Uh, we're, we're a good snap, a good snap on an extra point, and a and a very makeable field goal away from from really fussing about about them calls. Yeah. And and even in a win, I want I don't want to be one of those fans that forget about the calls when we win. I want to complain about the calls yeah. when we win and lose. Well, Stur- I want to be consistent. Sterling, let me ask you this. If the tables were turned and that was Rocket Sanders fighting for that extra half yard, you'd have been screaming, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, right? Of course. Yeah, but okay. I just want it, to get it, that it wasn't near that quick. Yeah. It, it was super quick. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you officials. This is a good question to ask you, Tommy. Do officials feel like fans and coaches on holding that it could be called on every play? Oh, I don't know if it could be called on there. There are a lot of opportunities to call it, but – the ones you would like to get are the ones that are at the point of attack, the ones that affect the play. If the play's going right, you don't need a hold over here way on the left. So you try to get the ones where they're clear and obvious and have an effect or a bearing on the play. Other than that, try to leave alone leave alone those type of calls. All right, let's go back to that last play. Coach Pittman did get asked about that game, the explanation he received at the end. Here's what he said about the tail end of regulation. To have a 10-second runoff, the ball has to be put ready for play. And so with all this commotion going on, they never put the ball in their words, put it ready for play. Somebody took care of us on it because the field goal, in my opinion, should have never have been kicked. But that was the explanation. And the officials were good and all that, but they said that the ball was not ever ready for play. They had to have 18, 20 guys on the field. And I went back and rewatched it this morning. So you've got Florida initially lining up in an actual passing formation or spike formation, and then their special teams run us on the field, right. and then Napier calls him back off. By the way, he is a horrible in-game coach, just a disaster. You got lucky in that football game. So that happens – but then the clock started. That's what I'm still confused. You said but the foul occurred when they had all that on and came in in formation. That's when the actual foul occurred. Just because they, they, you're right, they did start the clock, but shouldn't have. The foul should have been called at that point for illegal substitution. It's, a, it's an unusual call for, not that substitution is, but why they called it there. So they, they got this one right because the, the way they came in directly to formation, because if the offense is substituting, the defense is then afforded the opportunity to make a substitution itself. But in order to have a 10-second runoff, it must be in the last minute of half, and the clock must be running uh, when the foul occurred. That That is not what occurred here. So putting eight seconds back on the clock, penalizing them for illegal substitution in that chaotic moment, um, I know we don't like it as Razorback fans, but they did get that one right. It took like 30 seconds to spot the football in that game. Listen, I'm just happy when, now I'm like Sterling, I'll complain about officials even at loss. And just lucky that kicker, who's a good kicker, by the way, 
missed it. I didn't know this until I was listening to the broadcast. Cam Little is ranked by Mel Kuyper as the number one kicker prospect in the country. Even over like Will Reichard for Alabama, who's excellent. That Florida kid's pretty good. I mean, Chuck, we, we've seen Cam blast. I know he missed one on Saturday, but I mean, to make a kick on the road in the swamp in that situation with less than a minute left, I mean, the guy's been nails all season long. Yeah, he's not perfect. He's not 100%, but the vast majority of the time, the overwhelming majority of the time, he's going to kick it through the uprights. I mean, he's 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 money. I love how he's walking to the sidelines and just doing the hand down. It's like, easy. I got this, guys. He looked over at Sam Pittman and the rest of the, uh, the team. They believe in him, especially this season. All right, back to the phone lines where Nelson and Harrison is waiting on the McCarty-Daniel hotline. What's up, Nelson? Hey, guys, it's a good morning. The Hogs got a win. I'm happy for Kenny Gotten. I mean, I love the flavor that he threw in there, you know. Tesla with the pass. And, you know, the Wildcat at the first play. I loved all that, guys. But at the end of the day, you step back and look at it from 30,000 feet. We're in the same we were in the same situation Saturday as we have been every Saturday. I mean, KJ, you got to hit the tallest receiver in the SEC and, and get a touchdown. You can't throw it seven foot tall when you know your guy's six six, six seven. Come on, hit the guy. And then Pittman, I want to do do good. I want him to make it. But you can't have petty things like putting Nudie McLaughlin on the bench for whatever he did and letting Hudson, Hudson Clark get beat over and over again. You know, come on. I mean, coaching has to get better. And if they're going to win, if, and as PA said, they're, uh, if they're going to beat Missouri, KJ's got to dial it in. You cannot miss a wide open six 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 seven guy in the end zone and not get a touchdown. You cannot our, – our receivers the whole year have been – they aren't getting separation. They aren't getting separation. We were getting separation this game. K.J. was not able to hit them. If, if K.J. hadn't have put it on himself in overtime and used his legs, we would have been in the same spot. So and, – and back to a call I made earlier in the year about the Mississippi State game. I wasn't saying that he sabotaged it on purpose, but his pouting in that Mississippi State game, if he would have been just like, you know what, no matter what the circumstances, no matter if it's Enos or whatever, I'm going to get the yard, we're going to win, Mississippi State would have been a different game. And I do hope that this team shows up for the fans in Fayetteville, as Coach Pittman said. Nelson, thanks for the call. A couple things there. So, yeah, Dwight McLaughlin had a really good game on Saturday. You're talking about that third goal situation where he overthrew, um, what's his face, uh, Tyron Broden in that game. But he also – The guy that caught the winning Yeah, guys. they also – the guy, again, the the same play where he had to fit the ball. You're talking about his passing inaccuracy. KJ had to fit that ball in that game when he touched down yeah. uh, by two linebackers and a corner player in the – probably his best throw of his life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's not always accurate in near goal line situations. But when but, it counted, he made it. Yeah, and it, it's just difficult near the goal line, as we've talked about this year. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. 
Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.